Well, welcome to Emmanuel. How are you feeling today? Pretty good? You excited to be here? Hey, I know, I know that many of, the, many of you have busy schedules and you could be doing lots of other things right now, but you chose to put your church clothes on. Some of you put your church clothes on. Some of you just came chilling out with your flip-flops and shorts. We love that too. And these are my church clothes. Love it. <laughs> but you could be doing a lot of other things right now, but you chose to come here. And I just want to acknowledge that. You got your kids ready to come. Or those of you have children, they're here. And hopefully they're being ministered to, uh, you know, in a way that makes sense to them. And so we're just excited. We want to acknowledge that. And we appreciate you coming here uh, today. So, hey, we are, if you're a guest with us here today... We actually started a series last week called Pursuing Awesome. And to catch you up to speed really quick, and for those of you who were here last week, just, just kind of a little bit of review here. We talked about this idea of, of refusing to be average. We said that, you know, basically that, that average is basically settling for less than what you're capable of or settling for less than what you truly desire in life. And, that, and, and we, I kind of challenged you to refuse to be average. I started with a quote last week from Tozer. He said, refuse to be average, let your heart soar as high as it will. I keep this quote in my office just to remind myself to, to, to just never settle for anything less than awesome in my life. You know, I heard a, a disturbing statistic. I don't know if it's 100% true uh, this week, but uh, I heard that the average American, just the average American is, is 20 pounds overweight, $10,000 in debt, slightly depressed, hates their job, and has less than one friend. Now, I don't know how you have less than one friend, <laughs> but, but that's just what the stat said. And, and so, uh, but even if that's half true, that's pretty, that's pretty sad, don't you think? That's pretty, that's pretty depressing. I would say that's average. Uh, the Social Security Administration said that if you chose any 100 people in America, just any random 100 people in America, maybe some of you maybe have heard this statistic before, but one of them will be incredibly wealthy, one out of 100. Four of them will be financially independent. And if you follow them all the way to the age of 70, if you follow them for 40 years all the way to 70 and they retire, one of them is going to be uh, incredibly wealthy. Four of them are going to be financially independent, basically meaning that their passive income is enough to support them for the rest of their lives. Watch this. Ready? 36 of them will be dead by the age of 70, retirement age. And 54 of them will be totally dependent on the government or friends or family to live the rest of their life. That's just, that's just where the average American is, right? Any 100 people in America. I don't want that for my life. I refuse to be average in my marriage and, and, and as a pastor, as a father. I refuse to be average in my health, in my finances. I, I want to soar as high as I possibly can in my life. And that's really what this series is all about. You know, most people settle for average, but it shouldn't be that way. And we talked about why, why, why it's so difficult to pursue an awesome life. And we said that the reason it's so difficult or it's so easy to be average is because awesome is hard. Awesome is difficult. Awesome requires you to do new things, and, and, and it requires you to overcome limiting beliefs in yourself and to face your fears and do things you're not comfortable with doing, to step out of the dreaded comfort zone or the failure zone, as some people call it. 
right? It requires you to, to, to sometimes face dragons. We talked about that last week. And, and the, it blood, you know, the path to awesome is difficult, and that's why most people shy away. Last week we talked about one of the major hurdles to living an awesome life, and that was called the fixed mindset. The fixed mindset, if you were here last week, just a little bit of review, it's this idea that my talents, my traits, my, my character, my skill, it's all carved in stone. I'll never get better. I'll never become more intelligent. I'll never get more talented. I'll never improve my skills. I'll never, you know, grow in any way in my life. It, I am what I am, and I'll never change. That mindset is devastating because it limits achievement. A person with a fixed mindset doesn't take more classes, they don't practice, they don't work hard, they don't try to further their education, it just is what it is and they've settled in and that's why most people live an average life. We said if we were going to overcome the fixed mindset, we got to develop something called the growth mindset, which is the exact opposite. If you want to read more about this, you can pick up Carol Dweck's book called Mindset. She explains all this in, in much further detail. But the growth mindset is this belief that, okay, the hand that I was dealt, that's pretty, that's, oh, that's, it is what it is, but I don't have to stay there. I can actually improve. My skill can get better. My character can develop. My talents can develop. I can learn new things. And it's the growth mindset that really sets us up to live an above average, to live an awesome life. And so this week in your small groups, if you're in a small group, you talked about that. Hopefully you decided you were going to start to cultivate a growth mindset in some of the areas of your life where you have settled for average. Did you do it? Did you do it? Okay, that's not really the response I was looking for. I did it. My small group leader said, hey, choose one area in your life where you're average and just decide you're done with average. You're going to do what it takes to grow in that area. Man, I left excited and pumped, and so I'm working on becoming awesome in a couple of areas in my life. Today I want to talk to you about another huge limitation when it comes to living an awesome life, and that is a lack of clarity. A lack of clarity. Huge obstacle. If you ask somebody today, you know, hey, what's, what would be your ideal life, like an awesome life? Like, what does it look like? Have you thought about it? Like, if you can live any life that you want to live, what would that look like? You know, most people would say, I don't really know. I'm not really sure. A lot of people would say, I don't know, you hit the lottery? <laughs> A couple million, right? What happens to most people who hit the lottery? Yeah, I mean, some people don't, but most people, they don't, they don't have the skill set or, 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 the, or the mindset to handle those dollars, and so it goes away. So most people have no clarity on what an awesome life really looks like. And here's the problem with that, or the danger with that. With that if you don't have a target, you, can, you, you can't hit it. Isn't that right? Like, if you don't have a target on the wall, how are, you supposed to, how are you supposed to aim at something? There's nothing to aim at. And so a lot of people end up living an average life just kind of going through the motions, just going through survival mode, just one day at a time doing what's most pleasing, which is usually the wrong thing, <laughs> staying in their comfort zone where it's, where it's predictable, and we end up living an average life. At the end of our life, we look back with a whole bunch of regrets saying, man, what might have been had I had more courage or more clarity or more faith or more discipline or whatever. And I don't want that for my life, and I don't want that for your life. See, without clarity, we cannot live an awesome life. We have to get clear on what it looks like. It's going to be different for you than it is for me, okay? But today what I want to do is give you some ideas and some principles that you can use to discover what your awesome is for you. It's going to be different than my awesome. So let me start this way. I believe with all my heart that every person was created to make a difference, Every single human being in this world was put on this planet by God to actually make a difference in this world in a unique way. You were and I was. 
So when it comes to uh, creating awesome, or uh, we could have called this, this talk Designing Awesome. I, I, think I, I think the title of it is Bold Enough to Dream, which because you have to have a dream, you have to have a target. But I could have said, you know what, this is how you're going to design awesome for yourself. What does it look like to experience an awesome life? The first thing you have to start with is a belief that, oh my gosh, that God actually put me on this planet to, act, to do something that makes a difference in this world. I am not here just sucking air, wasting space, right? And then you die. <laughs> like there's a reason behind all of this. Say, where are you getting that? Are you just making this stuff up, trying to make me feel good? Am I doing that? No, come on, come on, come on. In the book of Ephesians, it says this, for we are God's handiwork, his masterpiece, his, his handcrafted art. He says, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now watch this. This part always blows me away. <laughs> it almost kind of gives me goosebumps. Which God prepared in what? Say it with me. In advance for us to, like before you were born. God said, look, I'm going to create this person and there's some things that I want them to do. I'm going to create them in advance and, and they're going to discover what those things are and then they're going to perform those things and it is going to be awesome. <laughs> See, that's right there. You didn't know you were supposed to live an awesome life. <laughs> it's, it's, it's God's design for your life to, to kind of figure that out. See, you don't have to create it on your own. See, your awesome is actually something that you discover. God has already laid out that plan for you. You have to discover what it is and walk in it and perform those works which he prepared in advance for you to do. Is that exciting to anybody else but me? Anybody excited about that? Man, that's awesome. Some of you are not there yet. You're still, I don't know where you are. We have to start with this idea that, okay, there's a reason, there's a purpose, there's things God has for me to do on this planet. He wants me to make a difference. In Jerry Falwell's book, Building a D Dynamic Faith, Jerry Falwell is the founder of Liberty University, uh, one of the, great, the greatest college in, in, in America, perhaps the world, uh, <laughs> I think. Um, and and, it, and uh, Jerry uh, wrote this book called Building a Dynamic Faith, and you could have titled it Living an Awesome Life, because that's really what he's talking about there, discovering the DNA that God has for your life, right, and then walking in it. And in, I think it's chapter 6 or something like that, he just makes this statement. I love it. Listen to this. He says, you, what we have to do, next slide, there we go, the main thing God wants me to do with my life is blank. It's just right there, I think, on chapter 6, and, and you, I just had to look at that and go, oh, what is it? What's the main thing that God wants me to do with my life? This is so critical. Why did he put this in the book? Because if you don't have a target, you can't hit it. You don't know what you're striving for. Your days lack meaning. Your days and your weeks and your months lack purpose. If you don't know what the main thing God puts you on this planet to do. I love what Mark Twain he said. He said, the two most important days of your life, the day you were born, and then the day you find out why. Why is that so true? Because when you find out the purpose of your life, the reason for your life, life takes on excitement. There's, there's meaning. There's energy. You get out of bed with, with, with a hop in your step. Your days, they're, they're going somewhere. There's, there's, there's purpose behind it, right? Jerry Falwell would talk about his vision, and people would ask him, Jerry, you, you're always on the go, and you're always doing new things. And he was. He, he, when he was alive, he's, he passed now, but, but when he was alive, he, you could not stop this man, right? And they would ask him, where do you get your energy from? And he would always say, it goes back to the vision God gave me for Liberty University. 
You see, his energy and his passion and his focus and his determination came from knowing that God told him to build that college that would go on to impact thousands, if not millions of people. This church itself is being impacted by Jerry Farwell. Some of you don't even know who he is. But I graduated from that college. I met my wife at that college. I was trained at that college. I was thought to think differently at that college. And here, it is, and here, and here he is, Jerry, having an impact today through my life. Powerful stuff. The most imp- two most important days of your life is the day you were born and then the day you find out why. Now, some of you are thinking, oh, that's great. You got me excited a little bit. <laughs> you actually moved me. <laughs> but I, I don't know how to find out what that is. How do I discover what that is? Purpose for my life, you know, what I'm supposed to do, the, the impact I'm supposed to make. I just get up and go to work every day, right? Just hope I get a paycheck. That's where some of you are at, right? How do you discover the thing you were created to do? That's what I want to talk to you about the rest, with the rest of our time today. I'm going to give you four principles, four you know, lenses to look through to help you discover. I don't know what awesome is for you. I know what it is for me. I don't know what it is for you. It's going to be a little bit different. But after I give you these four principles, these tools, I think you're going to be prepared to discover what it is. Or, or if you know what it is, you'll even get clearer. Let me give you these four things. The first one is this. Your awesome will glorify God. No matter what, your awesome will glorify God. You notice I got a little play on words here? You are awesome. Isn't that cool? Ah, okay, some of you didn't get it. <laughs> Forget it. Uh, anyway, so your awesome will glorify God. What do I mean by that? Whatever it is that you're going to do, whatever it is that God has created for you to do, the good works that he prepared in advance for you to do, they are designed to bring attention to the most awesome one who is who? What's his name? What's his name? His name is Jesus. So, so, so whatever it is that you're going to do with your life, okay, it's going to bring attention. That's what it means to bring glory. It's going to bring into focus the most awesome one, the one we just got done singing about, praising God about, right? So that's, that, why is that true? Because that's the ultimate purpose for your life. Whatever it is that you do on an everyday basis is, is also what God has planned for you, but those things are designed to bring glory to God. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He said, whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, go shopping, watch a movie, <laughs> uh, hang out with friends, get on Facebook, right? Whatever it is you find yourself doing, volunteer your time, Right? hang out with your spouse, hang out with your kids, whatever it is that you find yourself doing, do it all for what? For the glory of God. See, the ultimate purpose of my life is to bring attention to the most awesome one who is Jesus. So whatever it is that you're going to do, it's going to bring glory to God. Now, why is this, this, some of you are like, well, that's so elementary. Why are you even talking about that? Here's why. Because because many people in this world have gotten clear on some things they want to do with their life, but it does not bring glory to God. It brings glory to themselves. It might even highlight sin. It might even take advantage of people. It's clear, but it does not bring attention or glory to the most awesome one, who is Jesus. So if you're doing something right now, and, and you clearly know that what you do and how you do it doesn't bring God, you know, into focus for people, then you, you got to say, I got to do something else. It's really not glorifying God with my life. And I can give you a lot of examples, but, you know, uh, I don't, I think you can figure, figure out what I'm talking about, uh, 
on your own. So, number one, it's got to glorify God. Your awesome is going to glorify God. Number two, watch this, your awesome will capture your heart. It'll capture your heart. Listen, a lot of people think God is a killjoy, that he doesn't want you to be happy, or he wants to steal away your joy, or he doesn't want you to live a full life. That's absolutely not true. You know, I've learned, sometimes I learn more about God through parenting my children. Some of you have kids, you understand what I'm talking about, young kids especially. I learn about God through my role as father, because God is the father. And you know what, you know what throws my heart? It's, it's so amazing. When I see my kids engaging in something that is, that, in, that is good and right, and they feel fulfilled in it and satisfied in it, and they're happy, and I know their hearts are filling and, 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 and brimming over with joy, what, what do you think my heart does? Man, oh, I'm so happy when I see my kids do that, or, you know, when they're just enjoying themselves, doing something that's good and right. Well, if I feel that way, how, what does God feel? How does he feel when you are doing something, engaging in something that's bringing you life, that's bringing you joy, that makes your heart pump, that makes your blood flow through your veins quicker? Do you think that he's up there going, oh, they're having too much fun, oh, 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 uh, get, they're getting out of hand down there, you know, Jimmy's having too much excitement, you know, he's having too much fun, you know. No, God wants us to live full. He wants us to experience the most joy in this life that is possible. You know, one time there was a, Jesus was walking out of a town and there's there a crowd of people following him. His disciples were following him. And there was a blind guy named Bartimaeus who, started, who heard that Jesus was walking by and he was on the side of the road. And he started to call out to Jesus and say, Jesus, son of, son of David, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And the crowd tried to hush him and say, shut up, shut up, you know. Let him go. He's the king, you know. But he kept screaming more and louder. Jesus, you know, son of David, have mercy on me. And so watch what Jesus does here in Mark chapter 10, verse 51. He walks over to him and he says, and he, and he asks him this question, what do you want me to do for you? Can you imagine? Crowds of people. He's moving. He's got places to go. He's got sermons to preach. And he stops for this one guy, this one blind man named Bartimaeus. He says, hey, Bart, <laughs> what do you want me to do for you? What's on your heart? And of course, Bartimaeus is like, I want to see. I just want to see. My whole life I've been blind. Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. And he receives his sight. You talk about having an awesome day. Why did Jesus ask this question? Did he not know the situation? No, he knows all things. I think he wanted Bartimaeus to clarify his desires. What do you want? What's on your heart? What's the most important thing right now that you're concerned about, that you're hoping for, that you're desiring? See, Jesus and God, they, they are dialed into your passions and your desires. And your awesome is probably going to involve, I will even say it will involve, your heart. It will capture your heart. St. Irenaeus said this, he said, the glory of God is man fully alive. What brings God the most glory? When a human being is fully alive, engaging in the work that he gave us to do. Bill Hybels wrote a book years ago called The Volunteer Revolution, and he, part of the book, he wanted to help people understand where they are to jump in and serve in the church, in the community. One of the questions he gave people in the book was, what breaks your heart? What, what tears your heart up? Where, where, do you, where do you ache inside? That's probably the area where you're supposed to jump in and serve and, and be part of something. And then he went on to say this, but here's why. Because what, what's breaking your heart is probably breaking God's heart as well. Right? 
My heart can't be broken for everything. Neither can yours. It can be broken for a few things, but not everything. And so where my heart is broken, God's heart is broken. When you sync that up, man, you're going to find your awesome. Andy Stanley did a podcast recently. He's got a leadership podcast. I listen to, our staff listen to, listens to it. it the, the, the title of the podcast was Bold Leadership, How to Be a Bold Leader. And in the end, they're talking about, you know, how do you discover, you know, where to focus your time and what problem to solve and what, you know, what are you going to get involved in? And, and uh, the question that he left leaders with, not just church leaders, but all leaders was, at the, at the end of your life, such a good question, at the end of your life, what do you want people to line up for and thank you for? Powerful question. Like, what, what would you say to that? They're, they're, they're going to line up, right? And they're going to say, I want to thank you for blank. What is that thing? That's probably the thing that, that, that is, your awesome is going to be built around. It's going to engage your heart. You see that? It's going to glorify God. It's going to capture your heart. Number three, let me give you the third principle here. Your awesome is going to be bigger than you. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We got to get this. This this should be self-evident, but it's not. <laughs> we live in a culture that 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 tells us to live for ourselves and to go for ours, and it's all about us. And take a bunch of selfies and put them on Facebook, and it's just we're, that's just the culture we live in, right? Have you seen my face lately? <laughs> We'd like to see somebody else's face, right? We live in a self-focus. We, we think awesome is just for us. It's, it's not. Awesome is, your awesome is going to be bigger than you. It's going to, it, listen, the li- I wrote this down. The life, a life guided by the Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, will absolutely touch the lives of others. It will always touch the lives of others. Why? Because the Trinity, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are they concerned about? Every living being on this planet. Seven billion and, and counting. How could your awesome not include them, or at least a portion of them? It absolutely will. When I think about people who are living an awesome life right now, I'm telling you, when I look into their life, their lives are not just about them. They, they may be successful in terms of a business or money or whatever like that, but they're also giving back and touching people's lives who need uh, resources or who are underprivileged. Every single one of them. In fact, when we, when we discover a very selfish person who has a lot of money or a lot of wealth, and we discover that they're not very philanthropic, they don't really give back, what do we think about them? We think, that's not that awesome, don't we? But when we find out about somebody who gives back and helps other people, man, we go, wow, that's so awesome. Right? It was Zig Ziglar who said it this way. You can have everything you want in life if you just help another, enough other people get what they want. Isn't that true? See, that's not natural. We don't naturally think that way. And that's why Paul had to tell us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, that none of you should look out just for your own good. This is the version I have memorized. But you should also look out for the good of others. In the English Standard Version, it says, let each of you look not, not out for your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And let me sit down for a second and ask you a question. Did he really need to say that to a bunch of adults? I mean, I understand like five-year-olds, ten-year-olds. I get that because it happens in my house all the time. Hey, hey, there's a little bit of milk left. Don't just think about yourself. Oh, there's only one Pop-Tart left. Hey, you have two siblings. See, it's constant in our home about, you know, you got, we share, like we're a team. We're, you know, because, it's, because the natural thing is to go, it's all about me. 
There's only one popsicle left, and it's mine. Is anybody else trying to raise kids? Right? This crazy thought. This is not for children. This is for, like, adults in the church. Hey, hey, hey. Don't just think about yourself. Also think of others. Why? Because that's awesome. <laughs> Jesus said, whoever tries to hold on to his life and keep it and be selfish will lose it, but whoever gives his life away for my sake and my kingdom will find it. You want to live an awesome life. It's going to be bigger than you. Let me give you the fourth one. Your awesome is going to engage your gifts. Your awesome, your awesome is going to be something that you have been gifted for. It's not going to be, you know, you're not going to be American Idol if you can't sing. It, I mean, do we have to go through that every year? It's like, duh. Come on, people. You suck at that, right? You, why are you up there? <laughs> Somebody has to tell them the truth before they get on national television. See, it's going to be in an area that you're actually gifted in. Does that make sense? Listen, you think I'm making this up. Peter said it this way. L listen, to this. He explains how this works. God has given each of you a what? A gift. It's it, it, from his variety of spiritual gifts. He's like, look, I'm going to give this gift to you and discernment to you and the ability to lead to you and the ability to have compassion and show mercy to you and the ability to work with children to you and the ability to teach for you. And he gives out these gifts to every single one of us. Why? This actually takes us back to the third principle. Use them to be awesome by serving other people. Right? Don't just leverage it for yourself because that's not awesome. That's selfish. But I, I want to get back to number three. We're talking about number four. That your awesome is going to include your gifting. Where are you gifted? Do you know? Do you know it's that natural place where you tend to, where it kind of feels easy and I'm, I'm naturally, not that you can't improve in that or you shouldn't improve in that, right? We, we should even improve on our gifts, right? But, but it, it's that area that comes kind of like, I'm pretty good at this. this. I'm good with numbers, or I'm good with children, or I'm good with sales, or I'm good with whatever, teaching. What gift do you have? That's probably going to be an area that, that, that you're going to be leveraging to create the awesome life that God has given you. Listen, I don't know what your awesome is. I really don't. What I can tell you, though, is that these four ideas are absolutely the grid that you need to discover your awesome. I've used them to discover my awesome. It's been so incredibly helpful because I know the purpose of my life. I know why I've been put on this planet. You know, I was thinking about an example other than me. I, I don't want to talk about myself, but so I thought of a guy named Blake Mikowski. Some of you know who Blake is. We have a picture of him here. Blake is a guy that uh, he actually went to Argentina on vacation one time, and um, he was doing some volunteer work. And he came across a bunch of kids that didn't have shoes. And some of you know his story. And, and uh, the problem with that is not just that they didn't have shoes, but they couldn't go to school because they didn't have shoes. And they were getting infections in their feet. And so there were health issues, and, and Blake wanted to do something about it. So when he came home, he came up with this idea that, you know, what if we created a very low-cost shoe that people in the West could buy, and every time a person with the West could buy, we could, we could raise the price up enough to buy a second pair and then give away that pair for free to a child or a person in a third world country that doesn't have shoes. So it's just an idea. They came back, and, and uh, you know, their first, their, their first delivery, okay, were t was 10,000 pairs of shoes. That's their first, their first delivery to, I think it was to Argentina. 
I mean, it, and since then, the, I mean, the, the one-for-one idea has taken off, and now they do the eyeglasses and coffee, and, and it, it's just incredible. I mean, the, the whole company, and some of you are probably wearing Tom's shoes right now. And I look back, and I thought through that story, and I thought, oh, my gosh, all four principles are, are, are at play in this story. Like, like, does that glorify God? Do you think it brings, brings God into focus? Do you, think it, do you think that giving away shoes to children who don't have shoes gives people a picture of Christ? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yeah, right? What about, what about number two? You know, it, gauged, it engaged his heart. Well, how did the whole thing start in the first place? He had a broken heart for these kids that couldn't go to school, and he, they, they were getting diseases in their feet. His heart was torn. What about number three? That he was able to, what was number three? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. You guys are paying attention. Bigger. Was this bigger than him? Of course it was bigger for them. That was, that's probably the most obvious one. I totally forgot it. But the fourth one, this is the one that tripped me up. I didn't know this about Blake. We said that awesome is going to leverage your gifts, right? It's going to include your gifts. I didn't know. I thought Blake was like some dude, like surfer dude, the way he dressed and his long hair. And he's like, hey, dude, like, I got a cool idea. <laughs> like I thought, because when you hear Blake talk, that's how and how he comes across. He dresses very, very, very California-ish or whatever. And, and I just thought he was like a dummy and had a great idea and it worked out. Turns out, turns out that's not true at all. Turns out that Blake was a successful entrepreneur and he was on his third business. Turns out he sold his third business. It was, like this, it was this online driver's education program, which was sweet. Kids would go online and take driver's ed from home online. And he sold it for $500,000. Half a million bucks. Not too bad. <laughs> Blake was an entrepreneur. He started a laundry business. He was making cash hand over fist when he was in college, you know, delivering laundry and washing other students' laundry. I mean, this guy had the skills, the creativity. He had the passion. He could execute. He's a businessman. Well, now it makes sense that Tom's has exploded, right? Now they're into eyewear, and they're into all these different things, and they're making a huge difference in the world. He is living an awesome life. Why? He's glorifying God. He's, he's found something that's triggered his heart. He's found something that's bigger than him. And he's leveraging his gifts and talents to make it all happen. Isn't that incredible? Listen, I don't know what your awesome is, but I'm telling you, you could use these four principles. And, and it might not be to start a shoe company that changes the world. I'm not saying that. I don't know what it is. But it's going to be something awesome for you. You can use these principles to discover what that is for yourself. Let me give you two more things, and then we'll get out of here. Two more practical pieces of advice that have helped, that has helped me so much. The first one is this. Once you use these four principles to discover your awesome, you got to, number one, you got to write it down. Now, I'm, I'm dead serious. Some of you don't like to write. You don't write down anything I say. Let me just talk to you real quick. Those of you who walk in here without pens and paper, I think you're crazy, okay? Uh, because you forget most of what you don't write down. Let me say that again. You forget most of what you don't write down. The shortest pencil, pencil is longer than the longest memory. <laughs> okay, so I'm pretty passionate about taking notes. Always have a journal with me. I have it with me right now. Okay, write stuff down. So, so is this a biblical idea? That we should write the vision? When you get clarity on the awesome and God shows you what it is, should you write it down? Watch this in Habakkuk 2.2. This is what the prophet did. That God told the prophet, write the vision down. Make it plain on tablets so that he who uh, runs can read it. You see, writing it down clarifies what God revealed to you. It anchors it in your heart. It anchors it in your mind. You must write it down. I would even take it a step further, and I've taken it a step further in my life because I'm a little weird, and that's okay. I think some of you know that. I've actually, like, cut out pictures from magazines 
of, of, of each part of my awesome, and I put them on a piece of oat, uh, poster board, and, and, uh, so, and then it hangs in my bedroom. My wife hates it, as you can imagine, ladies. Because it's this colorful, vivid uh, mind, you know, vision board is what they call it. And all it is is, is is my words put into pictures so that I can see it every single day of my life. I look at that. Write it down. It anchors the vision in your mind and your heart. I want to I share with you uh, what I wrote down uh, during this series. Just, just to let you know, this is my, my picture of awesome for myself. What I think God has revealed to me. I will bring glory to God by partnering with him to build a multi-site church. My heart is overflowing with joy and enthusiasm as God uses my speaking and leadership skills to see thousands of lives transformed by the gospel. That's my awesome. Now, it's, your awesome's gonna be different, but that's mine, I wrote it down right there. I wanted to share it with you. I'm telling you, write your awesome down. And if you gotta take pictures and do poster board, do that as well. Now, the second one, this one's gonna bother you, and it's good, it should bother you, it bothers the heck out of me. Watch this, ready? Prioritize awesome. Mm, this one gets under my skin. I don't like this one. I love to dream. I love to, I love to sit around and go, what do I want to do with my life? It's so much fun sometimes. <laughs> but then Monday comes, and Tuesday comes, and Wednesday comes, right? And what I've discovered is that if I don't prioritize awesome, awesome doesn't happen, right? So, so if I don't do little things every day to create this awesome life that I feel God wants me to do, these good works that he's prepared in advance for me to do, it's not going to happen. It takes action steps every single day. It was John Acuff who I mentioned last week. He wrote a book called Start. He said this the other day in a tweet. I don't like this at all, but it is awesome. Our calendars call us out on the lies we like to tell about what we're going to do someday. Does that bother anybody else but me? I like to talk about what I'm going to do one day. Oh, one day, you know? And then I look at my calendar and my to-do list. And it calls me out on the lies I tell myself. See, I have a to-do list. It's right here. I have one every day. I write out the things I got to do. If my to-do list and my action list does not have anything that helps me to fulfill awesome, I'm telling lies. Told you January 2016, I, wasn't, I wanted to write a book. Remember that? Some of you weren't here for that. Some of you were. Been telling you that for years now. My calendar was calling me out on the lies I was telling myself and you about what I wanted to do one day. No more. No more. So for the month of August, and I know it's only been a couple of days, <laughs> but hey, but hey, awesome is hard. Awesome is not easy, right? For the month of August, I have written words every single day for the month of August. I now have 7,000 words. I know you're not clapping for me. I know you're clapping for what God is doing through me, okay? But I'm going to write that book because that's part of the dream. That's part of, the, that's part of my awesome. I want to help church leaders. I want to help Christians. I want to be an author one day. But if it's not on my calendar, I'm being called out. And you know what? So are you. You're being called out on the lie you've been telling yourself about losing weight, 
being a better father, being a better mother, being a better employee, starting that business, whatever it is that you've been dreaming about, you're being called out today if you look at your to-do list and there's nothing on there, no evidence that you're working towards that awesome. Now, why do I say that to you? You know, that's hard because I love you. I want you to live an awesome life. I want to live an awesome life. I want to do exactly what God has created and designed me to do. I want you to do the same. That's why I would tell you that. Write the vision down. Write awesome down and prioritize your awesome. Listen, the day that you decide, as we wrap this up, the day that you and I decide that we're done with average is the day our life changes. It's that simple. Because then we'll begin doing the things that we need to do to live that awesome life that we hope for and have dreamed for. There was a guy in my small group this week. We were going around. He was, he was kind of new. And, and, and somebody asked him, why are you here? I think it was our small group leader asked him, you know, what's going on? You know what he said? He said, I'm here because what I realize is that I'm an average husband. I have an average marriage. And so now I'm going to become part of this group because I'm done with that. See, the moment that you and I decide that we are done with average, our life begins to change. you agree with this? Okay, okay. A few moments ago, I, I, kept, I keep talking about Ephesians 2.10, you know, we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We're his handiwork, right? Work, good works that he created in advance for us to do. Can we go back to that verse really quick? It, it, it's, it's, it's very simple. Ephesians 2.10, we're his handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus. Now here's the key. I want to I close out by saying this. You really cannot find awesome for your life if you are not in Christ Jesus. If you're not part of his family. If you're not his child. See, you might do other things with your life. You may even have clarity on some of those things. But you cannot do the thing that God has created you in advance to do because you're not in Christ Jesus. So how do you get in Christ Jesus? Well, it's very simple. Jesus said it in John chapter 17, verse 3. Listen to this. And this is the way to have eternal life. I mean, he couldn't be any clearer. Like, this is it. You want to know how to be in Christ Jesus? You want to know to have eternal life and abundant life? Watch this. To know you. You have to know God. The only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent into the world. Some of you need to know God. You think you know God. Coming to church doesn't mean you know God. Being born into a family uh, where your mom and dad were Christians doesn't mean you know God. Giving money to the church doesn't mean you know God. You know how you know God? You know God by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. That puts you in Christ. That begins the process of you living an abundant, awesome life. If you'd like to know God right now, here's how you do it. You, put, you say to Jesus, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you were the one sent to earth right here from heaven to die on a cross to pay the penalty of my sins. I now put my faith in you. Be my savior. I give my life over to you. You just say that right to him. It's the same thing I did when I was 17 years old in my backyard. I just reached out to him to faith. I put my faith in him. I became a born-again Christian. I received eternal life. If you'd like to do that right now, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and bow your head and say, a, say this simple prayer to God. It's a prayer he loves, loves, loves to answer and will answer if your faith is sincere. Say this to him right now with the faith that's in your heart. Dear Jesus, I trust that you died on the cross for me. I ask you to forgive my sin. Cleanse me. 
Wash me. Make me your child. I want to live for you. I want to honor you. I want to glorify you. I want to live the awesome life you have planned for me. I embrace you as my Savior and my Lord. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed to receive Christ, you have made the best decision on earth, okay? Because it's the one decision that will affect your eternity. If you've just put your faith in Christ, the Bible says you have become his child, born again. You've received eternal life, right? Now begins the process of you developing and learning how to live an abundant life. Part of that process is the one-year Bible. Actually, it's not the one-year Bible, it's the Bible. But what we would like to do is put a Bible in your hands if you prayed to receive Christ today. Because part of the process of you learning to grow in a relationship with him and become more like him is taking his words into your mind and heart on a daily basis. And so if you prayed to receive Christ today, we want to give away these Bibles for free. You can go back here to the left or to the right. There's a table back there with some friends. Just say, hey, I prayed that prayer to receive Christ. You can have a Bible and they'll put one of these in your hands. Can we give God glory due to his name today? Isn't that awesome? Isn't he awesome? This series, my hope, my hope, my hope in this series is that this would be a game-changing series. That some of you would be like, I'm done with average. I'm going for it. I'm going to learn my purpose. I'm going to create that, that growth mindset. And next week, look, next week, we're going to talk about how to deal with failure. You are not going to want to miss this because failure is the number one thing that trips us up. We try, we try, and then we fail, and we give up, and we go back to our comfort zone, and we go back to average. I'm about to preach it right now. You want me to preach it right now? No, I won't do that. I won't do that. That's for next week. But, but you are not going to want to miss it. If there's someone in your life, come on, come on, come on. This is about other people, right? This is about other people. If there's someone in your life that has failed, they are discouraged. The average Christian, the average person in this country is slightly depressed, a lot more and more depressed. If they are dealing with failure, they need to be sitting in a seat next to you next week to deal, to hear what I have to say, what I believe God has to say about how to overcome failure. I love you. You having fun? This is exciting? Let's pray. God, we believe you've called us to be a church, one church with multiple locations, reaching out all across Indiana, God, and if you will, if it's your will, to even go across state lines into other states to reach people with the gospel. Thank you for the hearts that were touched tonight, the eternal life that you gave out freely by faith through grace. And so, God, I pray that you give those folks who prayed to receive you as their Savior courage to get a Bible and begin reading. God, we want to live the life you've created us to live. Help us to use these four principles to get clarity on what that is. And we will give you all the honor and all the praise. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I love you. We'll see you next week with five of your friends. Five of them.